this is a very important time, um, not because I'm standing up here, but because uh, what I'm to do is just to preach Christ to you. Uh, I'm supposed to take the words, the words of God and just, man, proclaim them to you. And uh, so we're going to sit underneath the Word of God, very God, uh, this morning and uh, ask for Him to do a transformative work into us. And so um, prepare yourself. I mean, just make a decision right now to where you just say, all right, God, I'm, I'm open. I'm ready. Bring in your wrecking ball when necessary. Bring in your healing balm where necessary. Uh, do, do work of warmth and work of, of construction and transformation in my life uh, today. And I promise you, you, you will not be left alone. Uh, the Holy Spirit will do a great work within you. Uh, we're in Mark chapter 3, 31 to 35. Uh, we're we're uh, in, in the middle of this series. Um, I uh, got the profound title, uh, Mark. Um, that's the book that we're in. And, uh, but the, kind of the subtitle to this whole, this whole series, this whole time we're going to walk through the book of Mark uh, is repent and believe the gospel. Repent. You guys repeat that after me. Repent and believe the gospel. Okay? And if you're in here and you're like, okay, yeah, that's the beginning stuff. That's what people are supposed to do to get into Christianity, to get into a church, is they're to repent and believe the gospel. You're right. But, uh, like, and I say it, we say it around here quite often, quoting Tim Keller, uh, that the gospel or what that is is not the ABCs of Christianity. It's actually the A to Z of Christianity. That Jesus is not only telling unbelievers that you need to repent and believe in the gospel, he's telling it to us as well. Uh, that as we talk about us being family of his, he's telling us that, that on a daily basis, that we need to repent. Repent means turning away from where you are and believe the gospel. And so we, we need God to show us where it is we're not believing the gospel. And those are the kind of what we call gospel conversations that you need to have with one another. You guys who are married, you guys who are friends, y'all are in, in groups, journey groups, missional communities together. You, you need to, as you're talking through, as, as you talk about a struggle in your life or a, or a, a high point in your life or a low point in your life, to, to ask yourself, okay, where was it, what was it in there that you didn't believe about the gospel? And to start to unpack that. It takes, honestly, it takes months, maybe a couple of years, just even, just even start to dive into that pool. I know I'm, I'm still getting used to it of kind of a gospel fluency, a gospel centrality, where we're looking at where the gospel is foundational in everything, in every part of our life. And, and for Jesus to continue to, to preach to me, it's like, Dave, what you need to do today, you need to turn from what you do believe. You need to believe in the gospel. And so may God do that again to us today. This little section that we're in, um, we're going to cover a couple different things. We're going to talk a little bit about was Mary uh, a perpetual virgin? And we'll talk about what that means. We're going to talk a little bit about Jesus and his words that he gave. And, and did, he, did he disrespect um, his family and some of the things that he said? It's kind of a, kind of a hard type of a, of a thing or, or a, a confusing thing that Jesus says in this section right here uh, of, of family and, and his mom and, and uh, what I believe is brothers. So uh, let's pray, and then we're going to dive in to this time. Again, Lord, um, we set ourselves before you. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you would bless us as we sit underneath your word. Um, Jesus preached today. Uh, my, my objective and my hope today is that 
I not only preach your word, but Jesus, that I preach you, that you're here, and that you're preaching to us, that you're proclaiming yourself, that you're holding mirrors up to us to where we, we see who we were, we see who you've declared us to be, who you're making us to be, where we see the reality of, of where we are and, and therefore what we value by, by what we say and what we do and where we really are, Lord, and that you would help us to come to beautiful conviction and repentance, Lord, and we believe the gospel. Um, so bless us today, I declare in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Mark uh, 3, 31 and 35, here we go. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and brothers? And looking about those at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my, bro- my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. So let's check out uh, verse 31. His mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. Um, uh, the Roman Catholic Church teaches uh, that actually an essential, an essential belief is, is that, um, that Mary was uh, a perpetual virgin. That means that she was always a virgin, uh, that throughout her life, that, 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 that she never was not a virgin. Um, and uh, they, they also teach what's called the, the, an immaculate conception, um, that, uh, that she was born without the stain of sin, uh, is what they would teach. And, and there's, no, there's no biblical basis uh, for that, uh, to be able to, to teach that. In fact, of course, the Bible teaches otherwise about how we're all born, born into sin. Um, and, and she had an earthly mother and father, which that would have been passed on down to her as well. Um, uh, but there were, I mean, there were a lot of church leaders and I mean, some of the, I mean, I, I have a great appreciation for the, uh, early apostolic fathers, uh, and you, there's a lot to be learned from them. Uh, many of these guys, they believed that she was a perpetual virgin. Um, and then throughout the centuries, uh, uh, they, many did believe that, that she remained a virgin, um, and that she had no other, uh, offspring other than Jesus. And so then some would say that, uh, what what's being talked about here is is that okay it's Mary his mother but then these are some some cousins or some other kind of uh, family member some kind of extended family um, that's there and I just propose to you that there's nothing in the text that would that would suggest this it's pretty straightforward uh, that it's saying Mary being his mother and uh, and his brothers in fact a couple of, of verses if you want to look that would indicate that that she had other children, Luke 2, verse 7, um, said, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him them in the end. And with the way that the, the grammar and the wording is there, giving that it was her firstborn son, uh, rather than just saying her, own, her only son or her son, um, there's an, just an indication there that if there's a firstborn, then there's going to be a second and, and maybe uh, more than, than uh, a, a second, other children. Uh, Acts one fourteen says this, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Uh, and the most natural reading even there as well is that we're talking about Mary's other children, the siblings. Uh, somebody could say, well, it's just talking about his brothers, brethren, you know, people within the faith. But the most natural reading, again, would be 
uh, that that there were that there were other. Um, uh, is it possible that that she uh, that she was a perpetual virgin? It's it's possible that if she never had any other children, and if she never had sex with her husband, that's possible that she would be a perpetual virgin. But I want to I want to present to you that. And now let me just back off for just a second. Since we're talking about Mary, I want you to know that Mary deserves a whole lot more respect and honor than many Christians give her. Tremendous woman, honored by God, you know, to be able to give birth. Uh, to Jesus. And so we, we should honor Mary. Um, we should not worship Mary. We should not pray to Mary. Those are horrific. But, man, we should, we should respect this lady because, man, thank God for her that Jesus came into this world through her. God, ble- God, God had blessed her and has blessed us through her. But, but even, again, this concept of perpetual virginity, um, it means that she would have violated the, the commands of God um, to love her husband and to be one with her husband. And even 1 Corinthians 7, 5, uh, which speaks, says, Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come back together again so Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. That's a, a very potent and a simple command that God gives to, to married couples that not only are they to make love, but they're to make love consistently. And, and so right there, there would be a huge uh, paradox in saying that she was, she was such a tremendous saint uh, if, if, she didn't, if she didn't love her husband uh, in, that, in that way. She was not the mother of God. Uh, though she, though she was, she co-created and gave birth to the Son of God. But there, that's a big difference there, uh, in in looking at the terminology of that. Um, some have said she's the second Eve. She was not the second Eve, though Jesus was the second Adam, and He was the one. He is the hero of the story. So again, uh, the easiest reading of this text was that it was His family that came up to Him, which included not only Mary but also his brothers. And uh, so now let's talk a little bit about, about what, what's the motivation. Verse 32 says, And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And so again, I mean, again, it's very specific. Your mother, your brothers are outside seeking you. The whole context of Jesus and talking through this is family. And so again, it just makes a lot of sense that it's Mary and Jesus' um, half-brothers. Uh, that they're talking about. But they're outside seeking you, so what was their motivation? What was it they wanted to talk to him about? What is it they wanted to do uh, during this time? And so if we, let's go back a little bit for context. Let's go back to verses 20 and 21, where it says, um, Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And the context in this is that he just chose, in the story Mark gives, you've got the choosing of, the, of the, the disciples, the apostles, and then what's going on in this next part of the story in verses 22 through 30 tells how the scribes were saying that Jesus was possessed by demons. And they're spreading this as a rumor. 
They're saying, man, that Jesus, and yeah, he's casting out demons. It's because he's possessed with them. And, we, and, and if you want more context there, go back uh, online and uh, check out the, the message, the teaching from that uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And so it may be that they just saw things were stirring. And, and if you get to the point where you got religious people saying that, that Jesus is possessed with demons, maybe they're thinking, we need to pull him out of the spotlight. We need to kind of get him away. Okay, it's time to, time to vacay for a little while. Okay, let's go, let's go and get away from this for just a little while. That, that might have that been it. Um, but it is noted that the family said he's out of his mind. And we don't know what we don't know what they meant. Um, we don't we don't know what they thought they knew, but we know that they certainly had a lack of clarity because they felt they needed to come save Jesus. All right. Have you ever been there, Jesus? You know this. You know this situations over here. You got your got your notepad out. I need to give you some tips. You know. You, you done that. You done that in last week. You know. I, I'm there. I'm there at times where I just I disagree with I disagree with how things are going, what the circumstances look like, and and, uh, and I'm like, all right, God, you know, it's time to it's time to fix this, and and I got the answer for you, all right, or at least I got some options better than what you're doing. Sometimes I think we we just we think Jesus is out of his mind, God's out of his mind. Now, would we say that? Probably most of us wouldn't. At times, we get heated enough, we'd probably say, we'd say something like that. But most times, we wouldn't. But you know what states it? Our attitude. Our attitude does. Our words. Our grumbling. Our complaining. Bad-mouthing our God. Talking down about Him. It reveals that really, at least at that point in our life, we're feeling... God's, God's lost it, you know? Not sure what, what's going on here. And, and I, want, I don't want you to lose that tension. I, I, I don't want you just to glaze over that. I, I, I want us to own that. Um, I want us just to be able to say, all right, God, I admit that to you today, that there are times that I just flat disagree with what you're doing, what you're ordaining, what you're allowing, right? You need to do that. You need to go before God and just you just need to admit it and say, God, I... I'm living a life that really is kind of declaring that I think you're crazy. And so I want to get things in order. God, I do not want you to submit to me, as if he would, but to tell him, God, I don't want you to submit to me, but I'm submitting to you right now. Guys, that is one of the, that's one of the most beautiful breaking points that can take place in your, in your week is when you, when you say that, when you just stop and you just admit it now, is there anything wrong with going before God and disagreeing and, and telling Him what you think? No. He actually is called the wonderful counselor that He wants you to, he wants you to express to Him when, when, you, when you don't agree with Him because He already knows it. He wants you to know that you disagree with Him when you disagree with Him. So it's good to go before Him. I'm not saying be sacrilegious. I'm not saying that you cuss God out. I'm not talking, not talking about that. But man, when you disagree, when you've got some difficulties, go to Him. Just talk to Him. You say, God, well, here it is and, and, and all that. I mean, it, it's, it's really powerful when you are praying to Him and talking to Him about it. Because in, in that, you're even bowing to Him. But then as a result of that, and when you get through, turn it around and you say, but you know what, God? Not my will, but what? 
yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And so that's such a, a, a powerful place to be. And some of us, we need, to, we need to go there right now. We need to go there today. And say, God, in this, and be specific. Don't just say, well, you know, God, in my life. Say, well, you know what, God, man, the other day when, you know, when my kids, when my kids did this, well, you know what, remember this. This opportunity just, I just failed here, or I just car wreck, or friend did this. Be very specific and talk to them, and God will bring a wonderful crush into your life. Uh, that's just a beautiful crush uh, as he draws you, draws you nearer uh, to himself. Um, I believe uh, just in knowing that Mary didn't understand and knowing the, the brothers didn't understand, we need to know that only Jesus fully knew who he was and only Jesus fully understands who he is. And I believe this gives us a bit of understanding uh, of the reality that we cannot figure God out on our own. We can't. Before Christ, before a regeneration, that means given, be given a new heart that beats for Him. You cannot figure God out on your own. And even you guys who are Christians, even y'all who are sons and daughters of God, we still struggle with, with the brokenness that, that we have within us. And we insert our own agendas, our own limited knowledge, our selfish ambition. We have a tendency to create a Jesus or to create a God in our own mind that suits our sensibilities. We can never, you never arrive to the reality of who God really is until God reveals it. Do people think about God? Do they think about spiritual things before Christ illuminates himself? Absolutely. People all over. You've got friends that are unbelievers, and many of them, they're very spiritual people. Uh, and they've got concepts even about who Jesus is. They may even believe certain things about Jesus. They may even believe he, he died on the cross and rose again from the dead, but they don't think he's the only way. So there's missing big, essential pieces that are missing. We can't get there on our own. And you know what that needs to do to every one of you guys and me included in here, that you guys are Christians in here. You need to know and thank God today that He revealed Himself to you because you couldn't have done it. You cannot take credit for your aha moments. You can't take credit for your salvation. Someday today, sometime today, you need to get on your knees and just say, God, I thank You because I, though I sought my own God, it wasn't the real God. And I thank you that the real God sought me out. Thank God for that. Does that mean that once you're a Christian, you got it all figured out? Heck no. Y'all know. You look in the mirror. Y'all have conversations with one another. We don't have it figured out. I'm grateful that he continues to reveal himself. I'm grateful that he's so gracious and that there's many non-essential things that we can disagree about and have different opinions about. And God, and God has lots of grace, way more grace and mercy than we can even, even imagine. But, guys, remember, thank God for opening your eyes. First John 4, 19, a new King James says, We love Him because He first loved us. Thank God for that. Verse 33 says, And He answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those who sat around Him, He said, Here. Here are my mother and my brothers. Um, 
probably every one of y'all knows this. If you're, if you're new to Sojourn, uh, if, if it may be your first time with us, first of all, welcome. Uh, we just, our hope is just we just get together and experience Jesus, point each other to Jesus, and uh, just get transformed by him. Um, but we have uh, really, we, we, see, we see that the story of the Bible and God's call and, and what he's doing in history can be summarized into three words, and that's Jesus, community, mission, that that's what, that's what God's about, is he's a God that cr- is creating a community to himself, and that's on mission with him. And so we get to join him in that, in being a people of Jesus that are brought together as a family, and then we get to be on mission. And this next little part here speaks so much to the concept of community that we talk about, of being, of being a family. And that really is a, a deeper term than even community. Uh, that's what God does, is He takes people who are strangers, He even takes people that are separated by millennia, and makes them family. Do you realize that, that there's, there's, uh, there's Ugandan Lutherans right now that they're ahead of you, they've already done it, but maybe they've, they've, had, they've had been worshiping Jesus today, or they're going to worship, I guess they already did, they're worshiping Jesus today, and, and some of them having communion like we'll have together. And, to, and together they're celebrating that, that God has brought them into a family. And they're family with you. And do you realize there's martyrs across the centuries? And even all the way going back to even these disciples that we're family with them. I, mean, that's, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that, you guys. It's unbelievable. But... I don't know, maybe sometimes we have an easier time thinking about the abstract and it's more difficult right here. Look around you, guys. Look, just look around. Seriously, look around you. Um, I, I, there, there are probably some of you here that you, maybe you're not a believer yet and so you're, you're our friends and you're not in the family yet and we're praying, come on, just I mean, today, right now, surrender and you're in the family but you're not going to be forced, at, forced there but we're looking forward to that. But the people you look around and see, you may not even know them but they're your family. That's what Christ is, is talking about here is, is uh, look around. Look around you. It's family. And, uh, let me talk a little bit about what this is not saying about family. He's not saying that the church, including, including this congregation, Sojourn Church, it's not to be a cult. It's not to be a group of people that you come in here and you include one another and exclude everybody else. It's not saying that you cut off your mom, that you cut off your brother, that you cut off your sister and your cousins, you know, and, and that you cut off all your neighbors and, and you just spend time with people within this church. It's not what some elements of what we experienced, Danielle and I experienced in Amway. And I won't give you all that, that story there. And, and it wasn't really the, 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 the big company's fault. It's really actually a fine company. But we were a part of, uh, I, I got recruited as a freshman in college. And then right after college, and Mary and Danielle, we got, got back into Amway. And, and uh, um, they, there was just, the, the group we were in, they, they taught prosperity theology. And they had all these books from prosperity theologians. And God wants you rich. And, and, uh, and, and they, there were all these things that they just laid on. You've got to be at all these meetings. And. And, uh, you know, it's like, don't worry about your family. And no, don't go visit your family back in the other states and all that. And it was very cultish what 
what they were doing because it, it was isolation from others and to where then you rejected, you rejected others. That is not, that is not what Christianity is to be. Christianity is the most inclusive thing with the most exclusive message. You with me? It's the most in, inclusive mission with an exclusive Savior. You can't be saved outside of Jesus, but then it's like, no, we don't want to guard the gate so nobody can get in. In fact, what we talked about, we've talked about in the past is that, is that we're told that actually the gates of hell aren't even going to withstand the church's barrage and people can be plucked from the other side and be brought, brought into it. And so if you ever get to a place where, where, where people are like, man, no, no, you can't, can't spend time with your family. Sometimes there's wisdom sometimes and when you have to have to have big boundaries and even for for love you have to say no you can't spend time with my kids or you know what we can't spend anymore you're, you're too destructive you know to, to my family or to my marriage or whatever and, and at this point you can't be around us that that's a, a smart thing to do a wise thing to do at times but overall it's an inclusion that says yes come in. And so it wasn't an either or, but it was a both and. He did not reject uh, his, his mother. In fact, um, uh, John 19, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, uh, Kevin, but John 19, 25 to 27, Jesus, when it says he's standing by the cross, standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. And, and so, uh, there, there's just, we see that Mary was all along his ministry days. He did not reject his extended family. Do not reject your extended family because you're, you're a Christian. Do not reject them. If they reject you, that's another story. But do not reject your extended family. And to the point where even he, he uh, said, all right, look, um, I've, been the son, I've been the son that's really taking care of mom. All right? Now, John, I want you to take the place of what, what I was doing, you know, in, in, mom's, in mom's life. It's a wonderful thing that, that just undergirds how we're to love and, and to, to be a part of our, our families. However, that is not always the case. There are times in which you become rejected by family for Christ. got one, uh, one dear family within Sojourn that their family has been, in, in, in these years, has been rejected because they came out of Jehovah's Witness. And uh, I mean, Paul, you can, you can attest to this, you know. And and, uh, um, and and though I know things have gotten better, actually, in the family, I mean, it was just really, it was really uncomfortable, very, very difficult in the early days um, of walking, of walking through that. Um, and uh, that that happens at, at times. Um, I won't belabor the point again, but even in my own life, uh, when I was eight years old, and Jesus really saved me and I was baptized I refused my, my, my father's parents um, contacted my parents and said we disown him um, change his name you know adopt him whatever you want to do he will not be our child anymore uh, now that he's a, a Christian 
uh, and uh, it was just, just, just strange that, that that happens at times. Because it's because the gospel is so offensive. It's so offensive. It doesn't, it doesn't leave any part of a person to where they can feel okay with who they are without Christ. And that's a gift. That's a gift. Um, what God wants to do in us, and as I talk to you all this sojourn, is, is He wants to take you guys, uh, and, and you're, at, you've got different, you're at different paths and got different investments in relationships within our church. Um, and He wants to take you from being strangers to being family. And though you can't walk out, walk things out with everybody, there's going to be a few people within Sojourn Church that God's going to say, get closer with them and be discipled and disciple one another and peer mentorship that, that takes place in one another's lives. And to the point where, where there's radical things that, that God will tell you to do because you don't look at one another as church members anymore, but you look at each other as like, we're family. We're family. And, and here's part of my challenge is, is that you'd even start thinking that you'd, just pr- you'd pray and say, God, would you, would you reveal to me where I need to change to look at those that are around me not just as friends, not just as, as part of the same church, but as family. Um, now, if you've been here for a few years, you've got investments uh, in, in people that have taken a while. But, but even those of y'all who've been around for a while, you know it, it takes a while, doesn't it? You know, you can't just, you can't just jump right in, into things. You can't just all of a sudden go deep in, in one day, you know, with somebody to where it's like you've had a 20-year investment uh, with somebody. And it's very un, unnatural if you, tr- if you try to force it, you try to make it happen. In fact, it gets awkward and people actually try to, you know, they probably start taking a, a step back a little bit, you know. I mean, what you, you don't want to just the first night you meet somebody uh, just tell all of your sins, you know, that you've done in your, in your life. It's like, it's like the, it's like the, the guys on the, on the first date that, uh, you know, they just, they just vomit everything, you know, that they've ever done, you know, to, to them. And, you know, after on date number two, they ask the girl to marry them. You know, it's like, I, that's, that's definitely not in the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. There needs to be another book saying how to repel people and make them run like heck away from you, and that would be included in there. As a dean of, of men at Liberty University years ago, um, I mean, I just, there was these guys that, that they, they would, uh, they were pious, and they, they, they thought they were very holy, and, and, uh, and they, they would get these words from the Lord, you know, that this, this, uh, this, this girl over here is to be their wife, you know, and then it's time for them to let the prophetic message go. And fly to her. And it didn't happen the way they expected. Because they flew, alright. They flew away. Fast. And sometimes they flew to the dean's office where we'd get restraining orders to be put upon these guys. That's not the way to have community. You can't, you can't rush things. And so, um, honestly, um, I mean, y'all know, it, it, takes, it takes a while. And, and some of y'all, you're new. Um, and, and God's bringing, bringing and going to continue to build our church and bring new folks uh, to us. Um, it, it really takes, with devotion, it takes a good 12 months 
to really, to really see relationships start to bubble. So be okay with that. Be okay. And I mean, it's a, it takes a little while. And especially if you're an extrovert, maybe you've, you've been, you've just always had these close friends and all that. It's, and you know, you can't force it, but it can be even a little frustrating. It's like, oh, okay, we're not there yet. But, but you know what happens is there's, there's just these quantum leaps. There's these tipping points that take place in relationships where all of a sudden it's like, wow, you're deep, you're deep. Um, now, there are some things that are catalytic to that to take place. And it comes back to Jesus' community and mission. Um, one of the greatest, some of the greatest ways to really grow and be in a community is seeking Jesus together first, that you pray together. Maybe you get together. I mean, you talk about the Word of God. I mean, you, just, you focus on Jesus together. There's a supernatural bond that God brings when you focus on Him together that, that takes place. All right? But now on the other side of it, mission. Community on mission. Very, very practical here, you guys. That when you serve together and when you suffer together, um, that, that God does tremendous things together. Today, today's a, a good example. Love fest. And other things that, that we do. Or retreats as y'all as you as you get off with, with folks. Just different events that those are kind of hyper condensed relationship catalysts, you know. It's it's beautiful what God does as as you serve together within this church and as you're a mission together outside the church. That God does uh, does his magic of, of building friendships. Here's just some of the radical things that that I know within our church that have taken place just in the last probably 12 to 24 months. Just, just a, a little bit. I, I, know, uh, I know of people that, in treating one another's family, people that have strong financial sense, getting together with folks that are having some troubles and walking with them, putting together a budget, and, and uh, just very practical. It's like, okay, helping them to get out of the chains of debt, the bondage that, that's there. Just... Very, very practical. Um, I know uh, of folks that have been a part of helping to clean up out of after a horrendous suicide. I know um, some guys in here that got incredibly dirty cleaning up a, a, a bathroom at, at the studio um, that was just caked with. Well, we'll just stop there. It was just. It was just really, really rough. And for the glory of Jesus and for the sake of mission to just get really nasty together. Um, I know, uh, in fact, we're going to do an interview with, with these guys um, soon, but uh, got a family that's uh, invited a, a single, single friend and a family of four to come and live with them for a while to help, to help get things established and to... To, to, to press the gospel forward and to, just to love one another. Just, just things very, very uncomfortable, um, but pressing forward because of, of love. Uh, I know people that have given up meals and given up fun activities to uh, uh, be able to help uh, a non-believing friend caught, get caught up on rent. I know, know folks that instead of spending some inheritance on themselves have anonymously blessed others. I know folks that that have just said, you know what, I want to help you in your quest to, to 
to raise money for adopt your future adoption of kids. You know? I mean, the, the list goes on, you guys. It goes on and on. There's opportunities all around us. And, and it's just as you continue just to walk with one another. And, and you see, and, and, and it doesn't need, don't think, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you some of the big, the big things. But, you know, man, just when, when one another's sick, you know, in, 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 your, in your journey group, and, and you call them and just see how they're doing, it means the world. When, when you start to, to say, what would it be like if I treated, treated them like family? It's just a, a, a beautiful thing. Um, I know that, that we've experienced this um, in my family. And, I mean, we're just so blessed with our church. You guys, y'all blessed us. You, you've loved on us. And when we've been sick and when we've celebrated things, celebrating with us, and when we've been at low times, you know, being there and just holding our hand, and it's just a, it's just a, a tremendous thing. And, and, and I know that even in saying that about how we've received is, is I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to open up my life. You know, I, I really grew up in a way that it was, I mean, there just needed to be a lot more depth. I think for me, I have lots and lot, lots of relationships um, and maybe a, a few that are deep, but for God to say, you know, you need to go a little bit deeper with this one and this one. And, and um, it's all right, God, I'm willing to take the risk, but what that, what's that going to look like? And uh, so we're, we're, all, we're all just experimenting you know, with, with Christ guiding us. And we're all taking the risks. And, and it doesn't always turn out pretty. Sometimes we get mad. Sometimes we get upset. We misunderstand. We say something stupid. We, we think we heard something uh, that, that hurt us. And we have to deal with those things. And, and grace is what allows for us to do that. Final verse in here, verse 35. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. There are some times, you guys, when the mission of God will outrank your family. There are times. There's times on a grand scale where you're going to do, in following Christ, there may be a family member that just says, I totally disagree with your worldview and your lifestyle. And that's going to happen uh, at times. But also at the minute level of on a, in, a, in a day, or for an hour or something like that, there are times in which, um, in which God's going to say, you need to do something that it's going to interrupt your, your own family. It's going to, you're going to be uncomfortable here for a moment. It'll, it's, and, and it may not be fully understood, but you need to do this. Um, pastors and pastors' families have been notoriously known, unfortunately, for the pastor's doing that to a horrible degree and always leaving their family for everyone else's trouble. And that is wrong. I'm not saying go and attack those churches for doing that. I'm saying that that man, that pastor needs to repent because he's the man and he shouldn't do that. He needs to step up and repent to his family. But in my life, in Danielle's life, in your lives, there are times in which God's going to say, you need to do this, and you're going to have to really reorganize things within your family, within your calendar, within your structure, and you need to say, yes, Jesus. You just need to say, God, it's not my life, it's not my time. And if you will do that, and even as, as, as in marriage and within your family, and, and if you're living a lifestyle of devotion to your family, and that's, that's the... That's the rarity, or that's you know, that's not the norm. 
then that's wonderful teaching opportunities, both for yourself and for others. And so parents, it's a great thing to do uh, when, when it's going to upset your family schedule. When Jesus says to do it, you just do it. Jesus was saying, he was revealing who his true family is. And so, again, don't cut your family out. But yes, get to know your additional family, your eternal one. Um, The trump card in here was, uh, he said, whoever does God's will, they're my family. So this last little part before I shut down, you guys, I want you all to hang with me and, um, and listen to this. Because we're in, the, we're in the Bible Belt. We're in the religious south. And there are a lot of people that they walk down aisles as a kid. In fact, man, I mean, if you were, I mean, Huntsville's, you know, cosmopolitan. There's people coming in from all over parts of the, the country. But if you were born in Huntsville or Birmingham or North Alabama, chances are you probably went to a youth camp or a revival meeting and walked an aisle at 8 years old or 12 years old. I mean, there's just a lot of people that are in that. But then you look, many of them, they can look at their life and and they just kind of look back at that and say, I think that did it for me. But they don't love Jesus. They don't follow Jesus. They don't worship Jesus. They may still go to church on occasion. But... It's just kind of, they think that's their trump card is, well, I, I made a decision when I was a kid. I was baptized as a baby or, or whatever it, it might be, but yet it has not maintained. Something broke within there. And I'm just telling you, when God does something, it doesn't break. It doesn't break. He doesn't let go. None of the children that he makes are perfect. None of us are but as you look at the as you look at the long term of it, um, God maintains. He maintains those that He brings that He brings in. And even as we rebel, which I do, there's a conviction that brings me back, that continues to bring me back. And so again, whoever does God's will, let me just paint you a picture that Matthew gives us in Matthew 19, 27 to 29, real quickly. Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in a new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or lands, for my sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. That's just a picture of what Jesus is saying, of, of that when, when your heart has been changed, when you really are His family, you actually do His will. Not perfectly, not every day. But you look at the big perspective, and you're going to be somebody that you, you love Jesus. Your heart is turned toward Him. You have conviction in your heart when you sin. You want to be a part of what He's doing. And, and I want to warmly and strongly challenge any of y'all that if you look look at your life now and you're just like, you know what, I don't know that I've ever really loved Jesus. I don't know if I worship Him. I mean, really what that truly means. My life's not surrendered to Him. And if you look at your entire life and you're just kind of saying, well, I'm just kind of hanging on to that prayer I prayed with that dude when I was eight. Or at youth camp when I walked down that aisle. But you look and your life's never been transformed. And you don't love Jesus. That you, that you would look and you just say, all right, God, man, I, I surrender. I surrender. That is, I think, what is going to be the big awakening in the Bible Belt, is that those who 
they had a religious experience at some point with some great truth attached to it, but their lives were never changed, their heart was never changed, that they would surrender to Christ and that they would experience the beauty of who it, who it is. And we're seeing that. We're seeing people that, just, that are telling that story. It's like, well, I did this, I did this when I was a kid. But man, it's really been in the last few months or the last couple of years. Man, some tipped over. And, and uh, man, I love, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Jesus calls us to be family, you guys. And uh, it's just tremendous that, uh, that he says, he calls us his friends and that he loves us. And in just a moment, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to celebrate that. Uh, we're going to take communion, uh, which will be available over here. And, and uh, if you're new around here, um, this is not something just for sojourners, but if you're a follower of Christ, if you have surrendered, then go and, and do this together uh, and take the bread that's been broken already and, and dip it. Because uh, Jesus said this. He, he's, he took the bread and he said, this is my body that was broken for you. And he told him to eat it. And he, he said, he took some wine and he said, this is my blood which is poured out for you. Take and drink. And he said, do this until I come again. And so take the bread and dip it into either the wine or the, the, the grape juice and either right there or you can go be alone, you can go be with other people. Um, I challenge you, especially with today, that if you, especially if you know anybody else in here, maybe just kind of have little pockets of people to come together and just come gather and just say, thank you, Jesus, and take it or somebody pray uh, and just be able to look at, maybe find somebody in here today before the day's over and just say, we're family because of the blood blood of Christ. And if you're in here and you're like, you know what? I know, I knew I was an unbeliever coming in, but I surrender today. We welcome you to the family. And if you're in here and it's like, you know, I've had religious experiences, but I've never really surrendered. My heart is not for God. Man, you know, we don't have to figure, you really don't even have to figure out what happened then or now and all that. Just surrender. God, uh, uh, help us even right now to just take joy and surrender. That we reject, that we reject any kind of um, experience that we may have had. That that if there's not fruit that's been in our lives and just a a, a heart that's been changed, Lord, that that we just say, God, change our heart, change our heart, and surrender, Lord. Um, God, thank you that uh, you, you take strangers and you make them family. You take those who are your enemies and you make them sons and daughters. And um, our job is to enjoy you, Lord, is to enjoy your bride and to enjoy your mission where we go back out and just to the highways and to, to the, the cubicles and the classrooms and we just say, man, come. Come get into the family of God. Bless us as we process this. Uh, as as people take communion today, Lord, that we uh, that we just we worship you and and we uh, are are um, we, we know you're here, you're among this, uh, Jesus. You are you are. There's a just a special, powerful thing that you want to do as we proclaim the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus through the Eucharist, through the communion, Lord. Today, bless us and continue to transform us in Jesus' name. Amen.